Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to episode 124 of the Blokebusters podcast. I'm Paul, and today I'm going to be going over the film Tenet. And yeah, let's <laughs> let's get into that in just a second. But first, I'm here with the lovely Copper Yinger, who is from the blog Never Drink From Mummy's Cup. You can find that if you just search Never Drink From Mummy's Cup. And you can also find her occasionally dropping in in the soon-to-be-released episode of Soiled Western Cinema. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here. Oh, no problem. Yeah. I, I yeah, had fun recording with you on that, and I felt it only right to get you to come on here. Hopefully, I won't be too much of a disappointment. No, I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> All right. So, uh, let's see. Get the nuts and bolts of the podcast out of the way before getting into anything else. If you want to get a hold of us about anything that we say on this or i have said on any other episode you can find us at blokebusters on twitter instagram and facebook uh, you can email the blokes at blokebusters.com you can go to blokebusters.com if you want it's a lovely little site and i'm fairly certain it's up to date at this point i mean you know it's been a few days i haven't checked but i'm fairly certain it's up to date <laughs> uh and yeah you can reach out to to me on there i'm always happy to talk about pretty much anything with anyone so go for it uh, <laughs> but but yes so we should definitely dive straight in now because i'm sure we'll have a lot to say about this it is okay. tenant directed by christopher nolan of course a reported budget of 200 million and a box office of 363 million 129,000 worldwide and my first question is, how the hell does it make that much money worldwide, <laughs> given that it came out? When was it? Was it the summer? It was uh, like August or September. Yeah. Yeah. It was August in the United Kingdom, September in the United States. It's like, who the hell was going out to cinemas at this time? <laughs> well, that really struck me as funny when I saw those numbers. I'm like, just imagine, because I mean, that's I mean, that's a pretty decent number. I think it's still considered a failure by a lot of um, critics, but um, that's a big number considering that a majority of the world was not functioning in a way that people could go to the movies. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the the general uh, rule of thumb is whatever they spent on production, that's how much they also will then spend on the marketing. So, yeah, this film technically did not break even when it when you're factoring both of those in. However, that does not factor in any of the streaming rights or anything like that. So, okay. yeah, I, I do think, especially for the next year or so, the actual box office of a film is going to be completely pointless to use as a metric. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, uh, I guess my first question to you then mm -hmm. would be, what were your thoughts going into this? Like, did you know much about it or had you, did you have any hype for the film or anything like that? 
So I'm generally um, going into a movie very careful not to read up too much um, on it. I like to go in kind of a blank slate, uh, excuse me, blank slate. <laughs> and luckily, I have been very um, disconnected to what has been out there because not only are we in a pandemic, but living in a completely different country where most of the movies don't come out in a language I understand, I have not been paying that much attention. So... Um, I was not even familiar with this movie until you mentioned it <laughs> and oh. I went into it um, and I well. went into it not knowing exactly what was going to happen other than, <laughs> you know, who made it and who was in it. That was literally all I knew. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> so there was some confusion. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I guess. I feel no, like there should have been a bit more not. primer. <laughs> no, no, no. I I like not knowing that much before I go into movies. So, um, oh, and right. then I'll be honest, once I leave a movie is generally when I just read everything I can, you know, <laughs> kind of fill it in, fill in the, the blanks after I've left the theater. So, right. Yeah. yeah uh, absolutely. And this film, it, I, I'm genuinely intrigued to hear what you thought then because yeah this film you really need to know even a rough idea of what's coming when you right. go to see the film to even stand a chance of being able to fully grasp it uh but yeah i i mean in terms of my own stance on it i heard that christopher nolan was doing another film and of course my first thought was well i'm gonna go see it and then it was getting all of this little bits of information coming out and it was going to involve some kind of time travel some some weird stuff going on and it's like well yeah that's definitely right up my alley sounds and, right <laughs> and then when the first trailer came out and it was like okay so inversion reverse entropy that that sounds really interesting that not something i'd ever seen before in a film so i say like, okay i think i'm on board and then i saw the film and now we get to talk about it so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes and obviously for those of you that don't know the main people in it you've got john david washington as literally the protagonist mm -hmm. that is the character's name <laughs> he is not known as anything other than the protagonist in this and you got Robert Patterson as Neil, who is technically the protagonist handler, kind mm -hmm. of, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And also, before I get any further as well, we full spoilers allowed on this podcast. Ah, I don't okay. know exactly how much we'll get into and how much of the film will spoil, but this is the spoiler warning. For, <laughs> for those of you that uh, still have yet to see it, but are listening to this. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Debecky? Debecky? I'm not 100% sure how you say it. I think that's Latin. correct. Yes. Uh, as Catherine or Cat Barton, who is an art appraiser and Satan's estranged wife, as it says here on the Wikipedia page. And then Satan himself, of course, is Kenneth Branagh, which an interesting choice. Uh, not, and not so much as in like oh like you know he couldn't pull it off but it's just you get someone who's going to be playing a russian character and your first thought is not kenneth Branagh. So, <laughs> right 
So yeah, it's uh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> uh, and then there's a few other characters here and there, but we'll get to them as yeah. and when they pop up. I have to say a little side note when you were talking about how um, Washington's name was uh, protagonist, and it was kind of funny because I don't think it occurred to me through the entire movie that he didn't have a name. Yeah, yeah, that there's. And then I was reading, I'm like, wait, no, he didn't. So I, I, it was just, it was very smooth and like under the radar that they never really gave him a name. He was just the protagonist. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, and it's not even necessarily something that he himself says is his name or is even his moniker or anything like that. There right. is literally one point in the film where he is directly referred to as a protagonist. And then he calls himself the protagonist, the protagonist in response to that. Yes. But it's not something that's directly saying this is his name. It's just, you know, a character is kind of in a meta way saying that he is a protagonist in the story. So, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. I Again, it's just one of those little things that I feel like if a film came out that wasn't Christopher Nolan doing time travel... <laughs> and the character's name was the protagonist. That would be the thing that the film is hooked on. Whereas right. in this, it just happens to be a side thing that you only find out if you actually read the credits. Right. It's just a non-issue. Yeah. yeah. He didn't need a name. So they didn't <laughs> give him one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess I guess my, my first question then, given that you went into this completely mm-hmm. blind, is what was the point when you lost the actual thread of how it was working. like Because obviously, as you go through the film, you see little glimpses of, well, that's not quite right, especially when he is saved by someone unshooting someone. Right. Yeah, you and- have that. And then... Um- and then there's a fight scene that at the airport in the hallway, and it just feels like really off. You know, the, you know it's a great scene filming wise, but you're you're kind of watching it and you're like, it doesn't nothing looks correct about it. You, you know, so I think that's a point where I kind of like I'm not quite understanding where this all falls into place. But okay. I did read um, that he wrote it in such a way that as the viewer, you were only given the information at the same time that the protagonist was given it. So you weren't yeah. necessarily meant to understand what was going on until that main character understood what was going on. So, yeah, so I was pretty much lost from the get-go. <laughs> yeah, the, the viewer is the protagonist in this yeah, one. So yeah, it yeah. is interesting. Uh, and especially, I've, I've seen it twice now. I, I watched it once and then when... We were going to be talking about this. I was like, I'm going to rewatch it just to mm-hmm. really go into it. Robert Pattinson's introduction and his first interaction with the protagonist. When you know how the film ends yes. and you know what's going on, and then you rewatch that scene, it's actually really interesting. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, and first and foremost, I want to say that. Uh, a, I haven't seen The Lighthouse, so I can't comment on that. But Robert Pattinson is really good. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, uh, he, he's phenomenal in this role. And so he sits down and he's talking to the protagonist and giving out information that's like, 
clearly the protagonist is shocked that he knows that he doesn't drink on the job. He knows right. what the drink that he likes is. And as you're watching Neil, he's obviously saying, you know, I, you know, I researched you. I listened to all this stuff. But if you actually watch his face during that interaction, because, and here's where spoilers come in, at the end of the film, you find out that he dies in the final mission, saving the protagonist. But he had known the protagonist for a long time mm-hmm. because of the way that time travel works and stuff in this film. He was actually recruited by the protagonist, but well after the end of the film from the protagonist's point of view. And you can see in his face when he realizes that the protagonist doesn't know who he is, that they, I think in that moment he's come to terms with the fact that the mission he's on is his last. Yes. And it is so interesting to, to rewatch that. And there are several, several moments in this film where watching it the second time, you know, obviously by design, you get that, but like all of these little things that work so well the first time through and get that double meaning the second time through. So yeah, once you know, once you know the final, you know, the final story, then you're like, oh, that, yeah, you could go back <laughs> and see so much more. Well, I really liked in that scene where, you know, you were talking about the drinks, but it was so funny. You know, we got a kind of a giggle out of it. And then when it made sense, it was even more powerful that he, you know, he ordered him a, um, uh, I was it a diet cola or something to that effect and then he goes I prefer tonic water and he says no you don't you know <laughs> like <Yeah>. don't <laughs> lie to me I know you you know <laughs> yeah it's it's really cool and and like you say like you know you do only find out the information as the protagonist finds out so it's clear that Neil knows something that he's not letting on mm-hmm. but the protagonist is going along with it because it's like you know, oh, it's just another agent in the field. Right. And, yeah, then then you find out that Neil is not quite all he says he is, uh, or at least nor he appears to be. But before we even get to that point, like, first and foremost, you can really tell that this is a Christopher Nolan film. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> forgetting for a second the of the film, because, yeah, that's in... that's in the film of course it is (laughs) um but even again that just you know the visuals the sound the design of everything like it just feels like that chris nolan film i wonder if it's possible for christopher nolan to make a film that doesn't look exactly like you would expect it from to make you know (laughs) i would be shocked if he did honestly i just think it comes so naturally to him to make the films like this yeah and and you know then there are several directors that obviously have that kind of a thing like you, mm-hmm. know, you get some directors and you know in terms of being able to look at the film and just from the look say oh that's them you know, like steven spielberg you can't really do that like right you, you can kind of get it if you're just watching it and you kind of feel from it and like you get a sense that it might be a steven spielberg film but just watching it you don't know quentin tarantino however you know his films. Yes. Christopher Nolan, you know his films. Uh, even, I would argue, Kevin Smith as well, because even though Kevin Smith does have, you know, he now has the relatively high budget mm-hmm. type stuff, and he has all of that stuff, all of his films just have that somewhat Signa- homemade feel to them. So It's it's kind of his signature on, you know, everything that he does, so... 
Yeah, and even something that he made, uh, just tangenting slightly, when he did Red State, he made a film where every time he felt that the script was going where he thought it would, he would immediately change direction Mm -hmm. and kind of go into a different gear. And even though that film is really good and he really manages to achieve that and it doesn't feel quite like his normal film, if you actually look at it, like, it feels like there's a lot of handheld shots and things like that. Like it, it, it does still feel like a Kevin Smith film. So, so yeah, I, I feel like it would be really interesting. And I have, I have no, you know, I have no hope that this would ever happen, but I would love to see say Quentin Tarantino attempting to do a Christopher Nolan film, <laughs> Christopher Nolan attempting to do a Kevin Smith film and Kevin Smith doing a Quentin Tarantino film. Like I, I, I would love to see their takes on those genres and those films. Like, uh, that would be interesting. I think the crossover would be pretty rough, though. I mean, it's kind of hard. I mean, it is really, truly a signature that they have on their styles. So yeah. I would have to think that it would be very hard to break away from what you're used to doing and going a completely different route. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. It would, I mean, it would be a fascinating experiment. Yes, but absolutely. Yeah, I don't think it would, I don't think it would ever happen, unfortunately. Um, now, one quick thing about the you know, sort of choices of uh, some of the people in the film. Number mm-hmm. one, I think that this is the least Michael Caine I have ever <laughs> seen Michael Caine. And I'm including Michael Caine in miscongeniality in that. Because <laughs> uh, he, he's very much doing a character in miscongeniality. And this is still the least Michael Gay that I've ever seen. I really liked that scene. I thought it was, it was like this little comedic break in between. I thought it was funny. I mean, just the way that they both like spoke to each other and um, the whole scene just came across to me. It was well done. I don't know. I love Michael Caine. So I think anything (laughs) he does is just fantastic. I I could probably watch a movie of him reading a newspaper and think it was great. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Michael Caine's awesome. (laughs) And yeah, the, and the really fun thing about that scene as well is that it's clear the protagonist couldn't care less that he's a sir. And of course it's funny that he's Sir Michael in this when Michael Caine it's a sir. Yes. So um, it, it was just like, yeah, we're not even going to change anything. You're just Sir Michael in this. Go for it. Um, and yeah, it's clear the protagonist doesn't care for the pomp and circumstance of that type of establishment. And I got the feeling that Sir Michael also doesn't really care in that moment. Like, yeah, he, yeah he's I definitely agree. He thought it was doing it, but he doesn't care that the protagonist doesn't care. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, there was a line in there. There was like a snobbery hit on his suit, like a your Brooks suit will not work in this situation while well, he hands him a credit card and, you know, um asking if he can have his food taken or boxed up to take with him. So <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that whole scene was really well done. It was kind of a funny little break in between all the action. Yeah, it was re- really interesting. And also yeah. it it's something that again, you don't think of it very much until the end. Yeah. It drops a single piece of information that really ties into the finale. And that piece of information that it drops is that the same day that the protagonist was in that opera house in Kiev and everything went wrong, is the same day that there was an explosion somewhere. Mm-hmm. And 
once you get to the end of the film, and they even do reference it at the end of the film again, but you, they, if you're paying attention, the end of the film takes place on that same day at the place where the explosion happens. So it's... And and again, like looking into it, the film Tenet starts and ends at the same place. Yes. So, like, you know, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It was that that whole concept was actually really confusing for me because obviously going into it, I mean, I had like some sense that there was some time travel or whatever, but um, I almost felt like I needed to have a piece of paper so I could kind of write down these events and track exactly <laughs> when these things happened. So, yeah, well, that because I didn't actually... really I did not catch that until the end when you're like, OK, this is we're back to that day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's. There's actually one scene that uh, we'll talk about in a little bit that you need more than a pen and paper. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, the only other acting thing that I had was when it came to Kat. Again, I had no problem with the actress. I thought she did very well with the character and everything that I went through. However, I get the feeling that if this film were able to have been made, let's say, 10, 15 years ago, I think I know who would have played the character, and I think it would have been Carrie Ann Moss because oh really yeah uh, uh, that character feels exactly like something that Carrie Ann Moss would have done like that sort of tone speaking that stuff like it just felt very Trinity to me and and I and I do think that I actually read somewhere that when he originally read that wrote that part he meant for it to actually go to a slightly older actress so the fact that it was someone as young as cat was portrayed in the movie is already kind of a um an alteration to his original project so yeah 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 as it is interesting because i i could see again i can see a few different people kind of going for it like yeah trying to like just place other actresses in there with a like, like at this point yeah i i think uh for me uh Derecki is kind of the right choice based yes, on based yeah. on anyone that i can i can try and put in there uh and yeah i think one thing that really sold it for me was the scene where the protagonist goes to meet her in the restaurant <laughs> and yeah you can tell she doesn't expect him to get away from the restaurant and then like when she gets out to the car it is like she's just kind of resigned but she still doesn't want to see what's going on and such and and then that kitchen fight scene i'll say is almost frustratingly short however i think it's incredibly well paced a great use of space yes and also a really good way of showing that the protagonist is perfectly capable of like, handling his own. There, yeah. like, it's almost it was almost like they were kind of leaning James Bond, but then they were like, "Well, no, we're not going to have the extended fighting. You don't need that. Like, that's not what this film is about." However, the protagonist is very good. <laughs> yeah, he's very good, and honestly, I don't think I'll ever look at a cheese grater in the same light again. So. <laughs> I don't know that I, I mean, I, you know, you knew he had to get away from that, even though how could he with that many people surrounding him? But I, yeah, he did handle himself very well. And it definitely showed that, you know, his abilities were, he was very quick on his feet. So, which is why he was where he was. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I think I actually like when they started fighting and they did what he did with the cheese grater. I literally think I said like, "Oh my god!" Like, why? No, like, oh, <laughs> I, I literally flinched just at the thought of that. I'm like, ugh. But yeah, it was a good scene. Yeah, no, yeah, really good. I uh, and again, as I said, really short scene, which was like, yes, ah, oh, could have been done longer. But yeah, there are films that have done longer fight scenes in kitchens. Uh, in fact, I think John Wick. One of the John Wick films had a longer fight scene in a kitchen. <laughs> so, and and this film is not built around like, yeah. You know, I think it was quick and one. efficient. You know, other than the end, there every single single action scene was short like that. Like they got their point across and they moved on. There was so much to tell that they didn't linger on unnecessary punches. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And see, um, also jumping to the. The fight scene, the next like kind of big fight scene with the protagonist fighting, as we don't know at the time, but then we do find out fighting himself uh, backwards. Like I, I tried to watch that a second time, looking for any mistake, like anything at all, yeah. because I, I enjoyed it so much the first time, and I was like, okay, I really want to, like, from a critical standpoint, I want to come at this like, is there anything in the scene? That, as far as I know, with my admittedly limited understanding of, you know, reverse entropy and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> like, is there anything that I can pick out that wouldn't work? And surprise, surprise, I didn't. <laughs> no, it was it was pretty perfect. And yeah. it made so much sense when you knew what you knew towards the end of the movie, you know, that why it was the way it was. Because it, it does come off like slightly awkward, but well done. And then you're like, it's because he knew exactly what he was going to do. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it's really interesting. Like, again, going back with the prior knowledge now, like some of the some of the things that I didn't even notice the first time, which is like when the when the protagonist is at the end of that fight scene and then Neil obviously tells him not to kill him and you know, the reasoning he gives is somewhat sound, but it is just like, you know, okay, like, why wouldn't he? And then right. obviously now now we know why. But even so, and then he just disappears. And it's like yeah. you cut back and he's gone. And it's like, what the hell was that? And then when you get to the other side and you see the other side of that, and it is just like he is blown in through, thanks to the unexploding engine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's, it's uh this is where that piece of paper comes in handy again mm -hmm. where you can write things like okay yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> uh now i think i think we definitely need to talk about the scene where the protagonist is first inverted okay. so first and foremost before he even steps through the machine like what did you think of the interrogation scene that happened before that so, which would I be think, you know, the protagonist having to watch backwards Sata unshooting cat. So I think at this point he has a general idea of what is happening. Like I think he he sees a bullet hole. He knows that you know he can. There's the detail that the bullet hole actually is red, so that you know it's actually going to be a person that the gun or the bullet goes through. Um, it was it was slightly hard to follow because one of the qualities to uh, um, Nolan's films is he does um, 
he tends to not put voices over sound. So you have to really focus on a conversation in order to get it. It's not always very clear. And with this one, because you had the reverse Seder on the other side speaking, and then like there was this double tone coming through, it was kind of confusing, but I feel like it would have been confusing for him in the moment too. So it's exactly the way it should have been. But I think that it was... um, maybe a turning point for him where he truly understood like what what was going to happen and what he was going to have to do in order to change things from yeah. where they were headed so yeah yeah it, it's a really interesting scene and of course you know the first time you watch it you're seeing Sata backwards mm-hmm. interrogated and even watching that the first time i was like okay so he's asking all of these questions backwards but to be asking the questions he must have already known what he was asking so it's like yeah okay this is a bit odd yes because he's he's just come back from the things that he was doing after he's asked the question and then of course you find out that that this data or backwards data that you're watching is the same data that is in the room who then wants to make sure that what he found out is right because he's got to go in and then unshoot his wife um, which yeah this is the point where if you if i was clever enough uh about it and if i did that sort of thing which i typically don't need i would just insert the oh no i've gone cross-eyed from Austin Powers. <laughs> uh, but uh but yeah um, and yeah th- this is the point where when the protagonist ends up becoming inverted and you you then find out obviously that Neil is actually with Tenet and that he knows all about this stuff and how it works, as does literally everyone else that's around the protagonist at this point. And he then goes through and you realize, like, oh, okay, so now we're going to get to see this backwards. Yes. Now, here's the part where my brain actually started to shut down a little bit because (laughs) you get to the point where he's now going backwards in time. Obviously, he's viewing it as going forward, but time in the rest of the world is going backwards to him. So I was trying to wrap my head around this because what's happening is he's going backwards in time, which means technically if he stays where he is, he's going to witness Sata coming out of the time machine or the the time Mm -hmm. turn or the inverter, however you want to call it, the time, the turntable, blah, blah, blah. Now... There's a big thing in the film about saying that what's happened, happened. Like, Neil is always saying that if something has happened, it will happen. It did happen. You're just going through it now and witnessing or taking part in something that is happening. Right. So, technically, he can't just wait for Sata and shoot him. Like, he can't do that because it didn't happen. But then you get into the thing, it's like, and I understand if he did that, there's no film. Right. Uh, and then you also find out that if he does that, then this bomb goes off. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, several reasons why you shouldn't do it. Right. However, at this point in time, I don't see the reason why the protagonist doesn't do it. You know? Because <laughs> he doesn't really understand any. Well, he doesn't know that he'll, you know... If- if Seder dies, then everyone dies, or, you know, he doesn't know any of that. There's, there's, there were several points where I just kind of wondered that, like, why wouldn't you just, he went back and saved him on the sailboat. 
yeah. without, you know, without hesitation. Like, this could have been a good end of the movie, you know? Like, you just, <laughs> she killed him off. Because that's ultimately what I wanted anyway. I mean, her hatred for him because of how abusive he was to her. I really wanted her to be the one to, you know, do the deed. But um, there were several times where um, he could have easily killed him and just didn't. And it's kind of a good thing he didn't because it would have been tragic. So, yeah. Yeah, that, and it's interesting because obviously another thing, like trying to think about it and trying to think of the logistics of it from the standpoint that we see it, it's like, okay, you can clearly understand if he stands, say, right next to the machine, if he just stood there, he would watch the conversation that he'd had with them play out in reverse. He would watch Sata coming out of the both turnstiles, going forward on his side and going backwards on the other side. So that's kind of how that would work. The problem is, is you ever try and just think about one side without also thinking about the other at the same time, mm-hmm. that's when your brain starts to scramble. Because <laughs> you're thinking, okay, so he's going forwards. Um, obviously, he, he's going backwards in time from our point of view, but he's going forwards at this point. So, so... What does that mean for the backwards Seder? Like, if you only think of backwards Seder from the protagonist's point of view at this point, then the, like you should be able to understand how we would catch up, but you can't. Because, right, exactly. Because our brains don't work that way. However, if you also think, okay, so the other side of everything we just watched is now going backwards, you can pass together in your head, okay, so he would go back out of the turnstile so you'll see him leaving the turnstile sitting down having a conversation those people will leave and then sator will come out of the turnstile to talk to him and then at that point sator will come out of the turnstile so there is no point where you would see sator enter right you would only see two satyrs leaving um so so that that was that took me a while. That took me a long time to. Well, and to I think that still at that point, I was fairly scrambled still. <laughs> I, in the scene after that, when he then goes back to um, back to what would have been the highway scene and you start seeing the things match up because now he's, you know, going backwards through all this. And that started matching up then. I was like, OK, I kind of get how this would work. And then it all really cleared up at the end. So um, with the battle scene. But. I still, at that point when they were in those two rooms, it was still fairly um, confusing for me on how exactly it all worked. So, yeah, yeah, and and, and that's the thing. Like, it, obviously, I'm now coming at it from having seen it twice and twice, having had the time right. to really pass through everything and try and understand it. Like, I, I tend to pride myself a little bit on being able to follow some of these things uh-huh. uh, like fairly well. Like, I have a fairly logical like thought processes and stuff like that so i'm fairly typically able to follow these things quite well um especially in hollywood cinema right uh i i will say the only other film that has ever thrown me for a loop in that regard would be primer and that's because primer is written by people that understand this stuff and isn't dumbed down in the slightest so right (laughs) so given that i don't have an understanding of the physics and the theoretical physics involved in Primer, I don't fully understand Primer. <laughs> <laughs> and for this as well, like they had a theoretical physicist who worked with Nolan on Interstellar specifically to consult with him 
on how time and quantum physics work. Right. So that from the writing standpoint, from all of this, like, he would be able to give enough information to Nolan so that Nolan could plan all of this stuff out effectively. So, yeah, as you say, the chase leading up to the interrogation and inversion scene, like, when you're watching it the first time through, like some of it doesn't quite make sense. Right. And... You have your suspicions, but you're, you know, like, okay, I think I kind of get this, but mm, maybe not. But yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's that one car that flips or yes. unflips and you're just like, okay, that's odd. Um, and then once you get out of the other side of that and then you realize, oh, so that is the that's protagonist in that car. Right. And then also you don't know what has happened to the protagonist after that because from your point of view watching the film the first time you haven't seen that because you only come across him uncrashing so it's really cool i i tried to look for and i didn't see but i tried to look for some kind of sign of a car exploding or a flash or some kind of noise uh leading up to that but i i couldn't hear it or i couldn't see it Mm -mm. on my second watch uh but but yeah, um, the one thing that took me, again, it took me a while to devil's advocate my way to it with this. It's the only thing that in the entire film I was like, okay, I don't see how this would work. Like, even taking into account the way things are supposed to work and all of that, like, I don't think it works, is how does the car explode when he's going backwards in time? The only way I could think that it might work is if the petrol and the lighter were inverted as well. But that doesn't make sense because they haven't inverted the car. Right. (laughs) So, because, again, if you think about it, only the people have been inverted. Right. So, only the people are going backwards in time. So, if you drop something... Or like the people are going backwards in time. So if the person dropped a a match onto the petrol, technically nothing should have happened because they're going backwards in time. So it what because what should have happened is the car should have been already exploded, right? Like assuming we're we're following this through, the car should have already been exploded and then it would unexplode and then the fire would go to the end and then he would catch the thing because he's going backwards, not the object. So. So, you yeah, have really worked yourself into a corner there. Oh, no. no it, and that's the yeah. thing. It's like, I I fully understand that out of everything in this film, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is the thing that I'm I'm kind of like saying, no, this doesn't really work. But it's like, e- even with the admittedly somewhat hand wavy, this is not the droid you're looking for right. thing of Neil saying that of the our entropy as in, the entropy that we experience every day today, going through time the way that we do, the way that our universe does, that pushes against anything else. So anything trying to go the other way is typically just snuffed out, which is why in the film they say that the explosion that the protagonist is in doesn't kill him because uh, from our point of view, the universe is going, no, 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 no. (laughs) That's not, yeah. That's not how it happens, right. Um, And so... So it's like, yeah, obviously, admittedly, hand wavy, but also a cool explanation. 
<laughs> you know, it Very works true. out quite well. Um, however, I still, like, even having watched it twice, having spent a couple of days genuinely like racking my brains on this, that car explosion makes no sense. Like it genuinely doesn't. <laughs> if if someone is willing to explain this to me, <laughs> like if someone is willing to sit me down and just say you're wrong, this is why, I will happily listen to it. But I genuinely don't think I'm wrong here. <laughs> I mean, is it possible that explosions like that are just cool, and so oh, that's absolutely. why it had that? Yeah, no, absolutely. From a plot standpoint, right? From a cinematic standpoint, I fully understand why it's there. Right. But it doesn't make sense. Yeah, from a film that genuinely seemed to pride itself on getting all of this stuff right, that one piece doesn't fit. That's where to they me. drop the ball. Yeah. Uh, now, I will say that regardless of that, the end of the film fully redeems it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because holy hell, that is one ending to a film. Uh, but before we get to that point, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to specifically cover from this film before we really start wrapping it up? Oh, gosh, you're putting me on edge. <laughs> you don't have to have found any <laughs> other weird spider web of conspiracy theory thing from it. Just is there anything else that stood out to you from this film? Um, no, I'm going to say I, there were some really great one liners in this that I kind of liked a lot, but, um, as far as like the, the, the storyline and how it goes, no, I don't think that I have, um, I think we've actually covered a lot of the areas where I were, was, um, considerably confused. So, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So, yeah. And, you know, through the film, and this is actually a really interesting film to kind of cover with this because. Normally, like, I'll touch on different bits in the film and stuff like that, but it's like, if you actually go through and piece this film together, like, there are some fantastic interactions between mm -hmm. some of the characters, but that's not, that's not the main thrust of this film in terms Correct. of, like, yeah, the themes of this going forward. It's like, if you're, if you're going into this film, for the most part, obviously you did not, but uh, for the most <laughs> part, you're looking for the inversion stuff. You're looking for how they're mm -hmm. doing this stuff. And so, like, the main areas of that is what we've been focusing on. Uh, although I, I will say before we do jump to the finale that I found it really interesting watching the protagonist interacting with Priya because it, I don't feel that I got a full understanding of who she was. Correct. Like, like even, even at the end of the film on my first watch, I never fully appreciated what her character or where her character fit within even the organization or like oh that's just like I, I didn't fully get it like it, it wasn't until my second go through that I was like okay obviously she's been brought into Tenet somehow like she's right. she's within the organization so it's like okay what like what part does she play and it's it's absolutely fascinating because obviously the protagonist interacts with her uh, at the beginning, when she explained to him kind of what this uh, weird device mm -hmm. uh, is, or, or technically not, she explains that he has nuclear materials, and then it turns out that's not the case. Uh, so like, she's explained that, and then you find out she actually had met him two days before, and then that like, you kind of got a bit more there, and then right at the end, 
when she's a loose end that's tied up. And then you also realize, oh, but it's even more interesting than that because then the protagonist goes back and recruits her. Yes. So somewhat, so the protagonist that has killed her in his past goes back to the past and recruits her into the organization that he will then end up killing her <laughs> to foul. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I, I really do enjoy all of these. Like, okay, this is interesting. Like, where's this going? I can ch- trying to. Well, we talk, we're like, we're talking about after we watch, I'm like, the storyboards on this thing had to be insane. Just trying to get it all like straightened out and everything. So yeah, absolutely. Um, And, and then when they, they go back to the, the plane crashing into the storage units and, and coming at that scene from the completely different angle than it was originally shot was really cool and well done. And cool is such a weak word. What do I want to say? It wasn't a, it was a, it was so well done. So I just think that it was well thought out and shot well. And, oh, yeah. and uh, yeah, I lost my total train of thought there. I apologize. Yeah, so what, what, yeah. So I just, I thought that was, um, and it, it did such a, not just such a great job of what they needed to do at that moment, but then it went back and tied up some of the loose ends from when they were in that scene before. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I will say, I think it'll be fascinating, and I'm sure it'll be an option. I, I don't know if you used to have the Memento DVD, but there was an option in Memento, on the Memento DVD, if you found the Easter egg, to watch the film in chronological order. Oh, really? I, yeah. Oh. yeah you, you had to... It was one of the things where, you know, back when DVDs were you know, a big thing, and they had right. Easter eggs, like you would go to this one menu go off to the side, select something, uh, and it would play it in chronological order. So you've got all the black and white scenes, then you've got the the middle scene, and then you've got all of those scenes at the end. So huh. it was uh, you know, an interesting way of looking at it. I think Tenet, if you were ever to do that type of thing, I think Tenet should have an option where you watch it backwards. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yes. I would, yeah. Because I I think that it would be a fascinating thing to see what it looks like like running backwards. (laughs) Because obviously we see several scenes from forward and backwards perspectives. So to then flip it again and see the reverse of that, I think it would be fun. Obviously everything would need to be subtitled. Right. Uh, But uh, but yeah, I I think it would be good. Uh, and what was the other thing I was going to touch on? Oh, uh, yeah, the only other thing I was going to touch on briefly before we really got to the finale is something that is, again, an, an interesting thing because a lot of these films have MacGuffins. That is just a thing. Mm-hmm. And the MacGuffin in this one happens to be a device which is, as they explain in the film, an algorithm from the future made physical so that it can't be copied. And... That one is another one of those lines where it's like, it's a future thing. Like, <laughs> like this is the thing yes. way in the future. We're not going to explain it because we can't. And you know, it's just easier this way, which, again, I perfectly understand. And I actually don't regret the film at all for doing that. Like, it's just, you know, it was like, okay, we need something that is physically there for there to be a danger. Fair right. enough. Here we go. Sort of works in the story. Let's go with just- it. 
Just trust us on this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and again, it's something where throughout the entire film, like you notice McGuffin's here. The protagonist is looking for it. Like, yeah, Sator is trying to figure out a way to destroy it so that it destroys the universe and all of that fun stuff, you know, from our perspective, anyway. Uh, and, and yeah, it's like, oh, this is a huge McGuffin thing. And, and I found myself, at the end, not caring about the MacGuffin itself. Right. Like, it, it's so interesting because this this particular MacGuffin is the central drive for all of these characters. Well, okay, 90% of these characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the And it's the weirdest thing where at the end of the film, I... Couldn't care less about the MacGuffin or what it looked like or anything like that because I was just so interested in the world of everything else. So that right. that was that was what brought me in. That was what I found interesting. So yeah, I <laughs> I found that really really odd and different. And again, it, it's so fun to see a Nolan film because he's always doing something different with it and. Yeah, there were several like, oh, never seen that before, or oh, never thought of that before. <laughs> yes. uh, but as I said, we're getting to the finale. So the last, what would it be about twenty-five minutes of this film? Probably some of the most like on the edge of my seat yeah. stuff I've seen in a long time. Because yeah, a, a tempo pincer movement on this place where they've got a team going forward in time, a team going backwards in time, fighting against ordinance that is also going forward and backwards in backwards. time. And they're trying to get down to the thing to get the MacGuffin out of this place because it there's going to be a bomb that goes off which will destroy it. And so we keep cutting from that to Cat talking to... Uh, sorry, uh, talking to Sata. Right. And on, on the boat and... Uh, there's actually something that I didn't quite catch uh, the first time watching it, and I finally got it the second time. There's a line uh, where Kat says that she, she saw a woman jumping from the boat when she was coming back, and she was jealous and, of how free that person was. And it was her. And it was her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um, it's funny you mention that because I almost when 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 she got onto the boat after watching herself leave with her son and everything, and she got on the boat, I'm like, it instantly clicked with me on who it was that then the other version of her saw was, you know. So I'm like, that actually worked out. Yeah. <laughs> like it was kind of sweet that it was actually her. And that she was just envying a future version of herself. So, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a really interesting yeah. sort of character arc, as it were. Uh, and yeah, ab- absolutely for me, without a doubt. Like I, I really enjoyed the first inversion scene, and like seeing the protagonist getting to grips with how everything was working, and mm-hmm. and trying to follow what's happening in all of it because there's a lot. But in this finale with everything going forward and backwards people getting stuck in buildings that are unexploding but then we also see the buildings exploding like it was insane it was insane and so well done and i you know i could not take my hat off quick enough to christopher nolan for for that whole scene and like all of the little things because 
is you are really paying attention and like really logging in every single frame because you keep cutting back and forth from the boot mm. going forward, boot going backwards, and there are just so many little things that you realize. Oh, the thing that you are kind of seeing in that shot then matches up a couple of shots later in the reverse. Like you're you're seeing both sides from both sides at times, and yeah, I I was just fascinated by by the whole thing. And then of course at the end you you get to see the mysterious person that saved the protagonist at the beginning with the unshot round, saving him from being shot. But like being unshot again, it's <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, very fascinating. But uh, yeah, it, it's really interesting. And then at the end, you find out that it was Neil. It was so, Neil, and and I, I did love that they they didn't give that away at all in the film. Like you didn't see him holding the charm. It wasn't on his bag that was down by his feet at some point. Like, you genuinely didn't see it on him at all, except at the end. And that's because like, he like, he's not wearing anything that you would see that on, or you don't see him from an angle that you would see it. You would see it. Right. Well, and it almost like I had started to get irritated because, you know, when we're reaching the end of the movie. I'm like, are we really never going to learn <laughs> who this person was because in the beginning you know you went through all the trouble to tell that story and you're not going to come you know bring it around full circle and then of course I should have known better that he would but I truly I guess looking back maybe I should have known that it was Neil but I had honestly thought at some point in time it was going to be another version of the protagonist that saved himself so I was generally thrown off by that yeah yeah and it it would have been an interesting choice as well. However, I I can see why they wouldn't go with that. Like, they, unless they, unless they made it that it was a much older version of himself, mm-hmm. and then I think it wouldn't have quite made sense given everything else. Like, especially, yeah, he's quite athletic. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it wouldn't have really made that much sense. Uh, yeah. Um, now, my favorite thing in this entire film comes from the finale and it probably isn't what you think it is. And it's because I have a very morbid sense of humor. <laughs> um, it is how Sator's body falls off the yacht. <laughs> I cracked up. So you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Just, just seeing that. Cause that then, thunk. Yeah. That, that just thunk flip. Splash. <laughs> and and so, then to have the scene with the boat dragging the body behind, I'm like, it was just, it was kind of, it was great. Yeah. So you're not, yeah, you're not alone in your horribleness. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was just fine. And obviously, that's not the point of that scene. But it's just like, <laughs> after everything, such an unceremonious death. Right. Like, right. It, it's just phenomenal. <laughs> I really liked it. Um, but yeah, I I think like, my one thing for this film, if I were to ever recommend it to someone, is is absolutely you should probably understand what you're getting into. <laughs> so again, I apologize. I didn't realize you didn't no. know what this was. <laughs> Well, and like I said, it, it's usually, it doesn't always happen that way. A lot of times, like, I'll read a book before I go to the movies. But if, if something like this, like, I just try to generally go into it without um, really 
reading too much into it. So I like the shock of trying to figure it out and everything. But (laughs) I definitely, I should have known better going into one of his movies that maybe I should have read a little bit into it. But but once I was done, there were a lot of things that just made so much more sense. Yeah. um, You know, with a little bit of clarification. So... Oh, yeah. But I thought it was fabulous. I mean, I really, truly did enjoy this movie. It it actually made me a little sad that I wasn't seeing it in a theater. So (laughs) um, I think it would have been great on a big screen. I mean, we have a nice TV, but not, you know. (laughs) Yeah. But I I think that, yeah, it was just really well done. I I, I struggle to understand why the uh, reviews on it, the, the ratings are as low as they are. I just... I don't know. I thought it was really great. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand why there's so much negativity for this. Yeah. So maybe, maybe part of it is the idea that you know they were making this film and like they were hell bent on releasing it in the cinema. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe part of it is just like people were understanding, as you say, like it was sad that we didn't get to see it in the cinema. So it could be that there were some people like oh, it wasn't that good. And it's like, well, if you'd seen it on the big screen with right. everything, like maybe you would have been more immersed. Because that, that really is Nolan thing. Like you need to see his stuff in as big a screen as possible with as immersive sound as possible. Yes, yeah. So, uh, that battle scene in a the movie theater would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 would, I would love to see this again in like a couple of years when everything is relatively opened up again. Such and, high hopes, high hopes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, based on everything that's coming out and how things seem to be going, yeah. like possibly in the end of this maybe, year, maybe, we're looking maybe, at yeah some sense of normalcy again. But fingers uh, crossed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other thing I could think of is why, like, it, it is a very complicated concept. So. I, I don't know if people just got so stuck on that that they couldn't get past it, and that might be why. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was dumbfounded by that after reading a lot of the reviews and seeing the ratings. I'm like, I just don't. I thought it was really good. I I would venture to say it might be one of his better films. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy is clearly learning a lot from everything he does. and Yeah. And now he's able to bring some of his own ideas really out for it uh, apparently it took him like longer than five years to write yes yeah and it took him five years to write it and it was um it was a concept for over 15 years so yeah, I mean, he's been really working on the thought process for a long time behind yeah. this movie yeah yeah Wait, fair enough <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's gonna take me about that long to understand it all so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i i really appreciate a film like as you say like yeah you know, there's a lot to this film and it doesn't really talk down to you about it no like, you, you've you've got to either just strap in and go with it or know a lot about theoretical physics to, right. <laughs> to really get a lot of it <laughs> um but yeah yeah i i'm thoroughly enjoyed watching it i'm really glad that i I took the time to watch it, and I have a feeling I'll probably watch it at least once more just to really see if I didn't miss anything again. Because, uh, yeah, th- this is definitely one of those films that I'd 
I recommend at least seeing twice, if not. Yeah, more. I would agree. I think I think we might sneak it in one more time before it, uh, our rental period expires. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. You do that, and you let me know if you see anything, because uh, <laughs> yeah, I I'd be interested to see it in the IMS as well. Ah, uh, hello. Yes, I have dropped in here where you at least expected me to begin a new segment, which is going to be called Blockbusters Denizens Review, or BDR, as some people might like to call it. it. Doesn't remotely sound like any other thing that might exist. So there's three letters and ends in DR. You know, not at all. Don't know where you got that idea. Anyway, this is the part where I will be reading out any comments or reviews that people have brought in for the film that we're reviewing. In this case, we got one back from One Good Thing, saying that this film is the most Nolan Nolan movie ever Nolan. All his strengths, all his weaknesses. Also, it's his take on a classic Bond movie and a highly ambitious summer blockbuster. I loved it. And that's from Paul or Paul, so I will let you make your decision as to who exactly wrote that, because it sounds very much like Paul, but not necessarily like Paul, if you know what I'm talking about. Right, okay. Uh, I'd say we've uh, covered that fairly well. Okay. Uh, so, uh, for those people that really want to get a hold of you or see what you're doing, uh, where can they find you? So, um, you can find me over at uh, Never Drink from Mommy's Cup. Um, on Facebook or Instagram is actually the best way to uh, follow me and get a hold of me if you should need to. I don't know why you would, but I welcome conversation all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh, and as I mentioned at the beginning, it seems like you're going to be at least a semi-regular um, yes, Solid Russian yeah. Cinema when that is officially back. Yes. So, Excited yes. about that too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll... It'll be interesting. I think you're, you're in for a wild <laughs> ride there. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, so uh, once again, if you do want to get a hold of uh, Blockbusters at all, just search Blockbusters, you'll find us. Uh, you might need to tell Google, yes, you did mean to search for Blockbusters and not Blockbusters, <laughs> but uh, but you will find us, don't worry. And yeah, uh, do, do reach out. you got Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, you can email us, you can go to the website, you can you can find us in many places, you can reach out to us in many places, and I will welcome any and all discourse. So, yes, please, please do reach out. And, yeah, I think with all of that being said, I have been Paul. And this is Copper. And <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thank Bye. you. Bye. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh... Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.